Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. Good evening. We're getting better. Good evening. What is it about Gen Z? Did your parents not teach you how to greet people? You know when someone says hi, you say hi back, right? Good evening. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there over time. If you got your Bible, 1 John. 1 John is in the New Testament. That's where we're going to be for the next six weeks. 1 John, we are going to start a series entitled God is Love. Everyone say God is Love. Say it like you love him. God is love. You know, I think it is ironic that we would start a series on the love of God just a couple days before Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day, just by show of hands, who has a Valentine's this weekend? Does someone got one? Hey, I see it. Okay, okay. By show of hands, who doesn't got a Valentine's this weekend? Yeah. Enjoy it. These are the years to save money, live better. Walmart, okay? I'm telling you, once you start, it's, it's kind of no, no stopping, no stopping. We're going to start a series on God is love. This is a theme that we see throughout John's text. Now, the guy who wrote 1 John is also the guy who wrote the Gospel of John, or at least that's what most New Testament scholars believe in. We can kind of go back and forth with, with some evidence that we see. He opens up this letter talking about the Word, the Word. And if you go back to, to John in the Gospel, he opens up with, with this idea of in the beginning was the Word, the Word being the person of Jesus Christ. And he's got an agenda that he wants us to see. And this is what's important to note about this. When we, when we read this letter, it's important to realize that the guy who wrote this letter isn't just some random dude who, who knew the law, who knew the Old Testament really well. He was a man who actually walked with Jesus. And maybe even more importantly than that, he was a man who saw Jesus after his resurrection. So he got to do ministry with the pre-resurrection Christ, and he got to see and behold the resurrected Christ. And so as he opens up this letter, and we're going to see it in a second, he says, look, this is the message that Jesus gave to me and now I want to give it to you. This is the message that Jesus gave to me, and now I want to give it to you. And it's also important to note in this letter who his audience is. It's two people that he's talking to throughout this letter. It's a circular letter, which meant that this wasn't meant for just one kind of particular church. It was meant for any church. And maybe more specifically than any church, it was meant for any believer. Any person that would say that they are a follower of Christ, but on top of it being to people who are followers of Jesus, this is a letter also to those who say they are followers of Jesus, but are really not. This is important to know. This letter is going to believers and also to people who say they are followers of Jesus, but their life says otherwise. Are you with me tonight? This is, this is a group of people who Pastor Victor has called the walking dead. Everyone say the walking dead. I love talking about this with Pastor Victor. We, we kind of see these people honestly a lot in the American church. 
People, as Jesus would say from the book of Matthew, who honor God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. We see him in the American church all the time. There's a reason why. Because most of the time when you live a life that's good, that's comfortable, that's easy, where everything is taken care of, Jesus fits really perfectly into that box. He fits really perfectly in the life where you can say, you know what? My faith is that of Christianity simply because that's kind of the religion where it kind of treats people nicely. And, and I'd say most of the time my values kind of line up with that belief system. So my family of origin were Christians, so I would say I'm a Christian. But at the end of the day, that has nothing to do with the way I live my life. By the way, I'm sorry you guys are right here. This is just spit zone 101. They should have taped this off. Right? We have people that do that in the American church and really in the church at large all the time. We honor the Lord with our lips and yet our hearts are far from him. And yet in this book where we get John who's wanting to break down this concept of God's love. It's actually in this book that we get the God statement, God is love. God is love. And now here's my prayer over the next six weeks. That as we open up this text, that every preconceived notion or idea that we have about what love is, we would be humble enough to set aside and allow God to expand upon, replace, redefine, break down, rebuild up what needs to be in that place. Are you with me? We all have an idea of what love looks like. We all have an idea of what love looks like. For many of you, it's gonna look like getting maybe some chocolates and some roses this coming Sunday. That's how love is communicated, right? My wife said amen, okay? But there's more than that. What the Apostle John is going to get at in this book is that love goes far beyond just the way, hear me, God feels about you. It's going to go to what it costs to have you. How much he's willing to pay for you. It's a love that's sacrificial. It's covenantal. It's unconditional. It goes far beyond a simple feeling. And I think in order for us to embrace this love, we kind of have to set aside a, an idea of, well, love is kind of something that like, we affectionately feel towards someone that we care about. What happens when they don't care about you? What happens when they don't respond to you after you've slid into their DMs, as some Instagram people would say, <laughs> right? What, what happens when you initiate and there's no response? Right? What happens when you've communicated care, love, and affection for someone, and the response to you is spitting in your face? No, nobody would want that, and yet it's very rare that we realize this is exactly what creation has done to its creator. And yet we have the Apostle John in this letter saying God is love. I want to redefine what that word is to us. All right, before we go there, we're going to open up in 1 John, but before we go there, let's pray. Father, we love you. We love you, we love you, 
We love you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. I pray that as we enter into just six verses in your word tonight, that we would see it as no small thing, but you would open up our hearts to receive anything and everything that you have to say to us tonight, Lord. I pray you would help every man, every woman in this room take a step back and be okay with you redefining, reshaping, reconstructing any preconceived notion or concept that we have about you, have about ourselves, or have about others. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you show us how God is love? Would you begin to reveal the weight of that, the depth of that, the breadth of that, the strength of that, the hope of that? Would you come, Holy Spirit, and would you have your way? And if you're with me tonight, can you say amen? Amen. First John, chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 5. The apostle says this. This is the message we have heard from him, him being Jesus, and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If you have a Bible physically with you, I want you to underline that verse, verse 5 or at least the second half. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him, him being God, a liar and his word is not in us. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord to which all God's people said, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. This is the message we have heard from him and we proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. I want you to hear those words. The message that Jesus told the apostle John and that the apostle John is writing to us is this. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. The foundation of the Christian faith is all contingent upon this statement. God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. God is light. I have a definition for this. Can we put it up on the screen? God is light. It means God is the source and the measure of all that is true. God is the source 
and the measure for all that is true. In other words, you can say it like this. Nothing can ever be truly understood until it is understood in light of God. Are you with me? Nothing can ever be truly understood until it is understood in light of God. God is light. Later on in verse 6, we see that he uses this word light synonymous with truth. Synonymous with truth. God is light. In other words, all that is good, all that is perfect, all that is true must come from or be God himself. Are you with me? All that is good, all that is right, all that is true must come from or be God himself. If this statement is true, if God is light and in him there is no darkness at all, what we can trust is that there's no such thing as a hidden agenda with God. Have you ever had somebody who has a hidden agenda with you? They come and they ask you something. Uh, many kids in here can relate with this statement. Usually you have one parent who will say yes and one parent who will say no. Right? You know which is which. You know which parent you are going to go ask if you want to go to the movies with your significant other on Friday night. And which parent you will avoid at all costs. You know which parent you are going to ask if you want to play a couple hours of video games in the evening. Or which parent you are going to avoid at all costs. And here's the thing. Your parents seem so innocent. It's like, oh, sweetheart, you just want to go and see a movie? Yeah. Right? And there's kind of this idea of like, you're like, yeah, it's, it's, about, the, it's about the movie. I just really, really want to go see, I don't know, fill in the blank. What's some movie coming out soon? Black Widow. I don't know. Right? It has nothing to do with Black Widow. You want to go be with a person. We all, we, we can relate with that feeling of us having our own hidden agenda. Or the worst is when someone comes to you and asks you something with a hidden agenda. Do you hate when that happens? It happens in marriage all the time. All the time. Especially near Valentine's Day weekend. So, babe, what are we doing this weekend? It's not the right answer. Fellas, don't ever say I don't know. Don't ever say I don't know. You say you got a plan even if you don't, okay? Say you got a plan even if you don't. It's weird. But here's the thing. We're so used to every human being having a hidden agenda. Because here's the thing. Most of the time we're always going to try to make decisions and we're going to try to live life for our own good. Most of the time. Every now and then we get to watch somebody do it in a very sacrificial way. And because of that, we often will think by default, God's got to have some kind of hidden agenda. He's got to have some kind of hidden agenda. And what John is wanting to say right here is, look, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If that statement is true, then when we talk about the sovereignty of God, we can trust two things. That God's sovereign will will always be for first his glory and second for our good. Hear me. God is always, always, always working for your good and working for my good. And if we can trust that God is light and in him is no darkness at all, 
we can trust that his plan for our life is for his glory and is for our good. The, the, the author of Proverbs in Proverbs 1-7 says it like this, that the beginning or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is beginning of knowledge. In other words, in, in order to actually know what is true, we must start with the fear of the Lord. Why? Because God is light. Are you with me? God is light. Now, whether you believe here in Christianity or not here this evening, the basis of the Christian faith has to come from this statement. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Now John here takes a shift and gets really practical on us. Really practical on us. Verse 6 and verse 7. Let's go ahead and put it on the screen. Put it on the screen. He says this. If we say we have fellowship with him, him being Jesus, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I'm gonna teach you two Greek words tonight. There's two questions that I wanna answer as we read these two verses. What does it mean to walk in darkness? And what does it mean to walk in the light? Real simple. He's talking here, look, if you walk in the darkness, if you walk in the darkness, then the light of God is not in you. You are a liar and you do not practice the truth. You do not practice the truth, okay? But if you walk in the light as he is in the light, then clearly God abides in you. So what does it look like to walk in the darkness? What does it look like to walk in the light? These two words, darkness and light, are very interesting when you look them up in the Greek. The, the word for darkness is skatia. Everyone say skatia. Yeah, yeah, my little Greek scholars, okay? What this word means is ignorance of divine things. Ignorance of divine things. This is what darkness means in the Greek. Ignorance of divine things. The Greek word for light is phos. Everyone say phos. Very nice. Phos. Not the force. Phos. Okay? Phos. It means understanding of truth and knowledge. Understanding of truth and knowledge. To make it more simple, darkness can equate to ignorance. Light can equate to understanding. Are you with me? Darkness equates to ignorance. Light equates to understanding. Now, 1 John later in 1 John 2 gives us an answer for what this kind of looks like to walk in the darkness. I want to jump ahead to 1 John 2, 16 and 17. Let's put it on the screen. John says this. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. In other words, to walk in darkness is to be controlled by desires for this world instead of desires for God. Pay attention to that. If you've got a notebook, write it down. To walk in darkness is to be controlled by desires of this world as opposed to desires for the Lord. The only way one will desire something more than God 
is if they are blind to the light of God. Let me say that again. The only way someone is going to desire something more than God himself is if they are blind to God himself. Are you with me? Let me say it like this. The only way someone would want to eat a rotten tuna fish sandwich for lunch more than Chick-fil-A is if they don't even know that Chick-fil-A is on the table. Are you with me? Are you with me? Like, like there's kind of this, uh, wait, or, or we're kind of weighing in the balance. It's like, no, 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 no. He's saying, look, to walk in the darkness means you are ignorant of the light. You don't know it. You don't know it. You're, you're, you're ignorant of the light. Now remember his audience. He's talking to believers and people who say they're believers but are not believers. And he's saying, look, it's entirely possible for you to say you're a follower of Jesus with your mouth, but you walk in darkness. How do you know you walk in darkness? Because you cherish things or even yourself in this life more than you cherish God himself. Are you with me? This is what it means to walk in the darkness. We don't need to make it complicated. If the desires of your flesh, the desires of this world, the desire for a relationship, the desire for status, the desire for money, the desire for popularity outweigh your love for the Lord, you're walking in darkness. You're ignorant of the Lord. But to walk in the light, what does that look like? Verse 7, verse 7, he says, and I don't know if you'll have it up there, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We have fellowship with one another, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If darkness is desiring anything above God, then the definition of light is this. Can we put it on the screen? The definition of light, to walk in the light, is to desire God above everything else. It's that simple. To desire God above everything else. That's a very simple definition, and I know you're thinking what I'm thinking. That is so much easier said than done. To desire God above everything else. Listen to me. There's a reason why our desires, our pleasures in this life, are momentary and they don't last. There's a reason why you'll take a drink and it won't take long for you to be thirsty again. There's a reason why you can eat food and it won't take long for you to be hungry again. There's a reason why you can go to sleep at night and it won't take long before you are tired again. There's a reason why the inappropriate images you might look on your phone over and over again seem to always fall short in satisfying you. And there's a reason why you always feel guilty after you look at them. There's a reason why your girlfriend, your boyfriend, or one day in your life, your husband or your wife will end up falling short and not satisfying you or being the person you want them to be in life. There is a reason why the church is always going to disappoint you in some way, shape, or form. There's a reason why money will never be enough. 
There's a reason why power, influence, popularity, the clothes that you wear at some point will get old and you will want more. Are you with me? Are you following me so far? Our desires, our pleasures in this life are fleeting. They're fleeting. They go away. C.S. Lewis said it like this. Can we put that quote on the screen? If I find myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. If you come to find that you're, you, these areas in your life, these desires, these passions, these pleasures, they start to fall short at some point. Your relationships fall short. Your style falls short. Your popularity falls short. Your self-image falls short. Your desires and passions and pleasures fall short. What he's saying here is the only logical conclusion is that you were made for another world. Now, if I could take C.S. Lewis's words and just change them. And hear me, don't ever change C.S. Lewis's words. He's a great author. But if I could, for the sake of what we're reading in 1 John, I think it would say something like this. If I find my, in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made to find all that I need in God himself. All that I need in God himself. In God who is light and whom the one is all truth and all knowledge. Our problem is not that this world is going left and right The problem is that we are looking for our hope in the world that is going left and right instead of the God who made it. Are you with me? You were made to be fulfilled, to be satisfied by God himself. And when we begin to see as God, God as the leading desire in our life, we walk in the light. And this is what happens our view on things begin to change. Our view of sin changes because we no longer see sin as damaging to the human body, but sin as dishonoring to the Lord. You with me? We no longer see sin as damaging to the human body. We see sin as dishonoring to the Lord. We never see, we stop seeing sin as a choice for pleasure and we begin to see sin as a loss of pleasure. You hear that? We begin to see that sin is not simply a choice for pleasure, but it's us losing out on walking in the light. And again, I know your mind is going to where I'm going. That's a lot easier said than done, Pastor. It's a lot easier to say, I love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. But when I'm in the heat of the moment, When I'm living my day to day, it's so difficult to cherish God above everything else. The end of this text offers us hope. Verse eight, can we put it on the screen? John says this, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. The first part of this passage is a warning. It's a warning to some in this room tonight. 
You cannot, in reality, in reality, and by reality I mean before the Lord. You can before your friends all night long. You can before the world all night long. But in reality before the world, you can't. You can't say you're a follower of Jesus and yet continue to walk in darkness. You can't. Can't happen. He's saying, no, your heart's far from me. You're a liar, <laughs> and the light is not in you. And I see this all of the time as a youth pastor at New Life Church in northern Colorado Springs. I see it all the time. Kids who are raised in Christian homes, men and women who are raised in Christian homes, and this is all they know. But at the end of the day, the world tastes a little bit better. And religion might taste a little bit better than walking in the light. And remember, walking in the light is cherishing God, desiring God above all other things. So he issues it as a warning. He says, look, if you say that you're a follower of Jesus and you're going to say you don't sin anymore, you're not wrestling anymore, you don't deal with brokenness anymore, you're a liar. That should be relieving for all of us. That it could actually be, as a word of encouragement, you can be a follower of Jesus, wake up tomorrow and still wrestle and struggle with sin. Hear me, that's okay. What we do here, you coming here on Wednesday night, the local church, this isn't the place for you to get your life together. This is the place to realize that your life is falling apart. Praise the name, right? This is the place where we can realize we're broken, we're sinful people, we're in need of a savior. And what he's saying here is he's going, look, don't be one of those believers that thinks just because you've given your life to the Lord, all's good. He says, no, you deceive yourselves. So what do we do? What do we do when you wake up tomorrow and you're wrestling with the same addiction that you're wrestling with today? What do you do when you wake up tomorrow and you are desiring and you're hungering and you're thirsting for everything that the world has to offer and you can see it and you realize it, but you still indulge yourself in it and realize this is the darkness, what do you do? He says it in verse nine. He says, look, if we confess our sins to the Lord, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what do we do with our sin today if we have followed Jesus for 10 years, five years, one year, one day? We confess it. We acknowledge that we're in need of him. I need you to hear me say, Jesus did not just come to cover your sin, came to conquer your sin. He's not just coming to kind of put a white cloth over your, your dirty life and go, you know what, let's just kind of ignore the bad stuff. He wants to change your life, transform your life for his glory and for your good. Can you stand with me? Can I ask the worship team to come back up?
you know, I've been following Jesus for 20 years. And I will say that confession and bringing my sin to the Lord, or as John would say it here, bringing my sin to the light, it doesn't get easier. And it's pretty simple why. To bring our sin before the Lord is exposing. It's us having to admit that we're broken. It's us having to admit that we're sinful. It's not easy by any means, by any means. But to taste and see that every time on the road of confession and repentance, the only thing that you will ever be met with from God is forgiveness and love. Is a very reassuring, good news. It's good news. You might be hated, despised, ridiculed, outcasted by family, by friends, and maybe even hated by yourself. But hear me, confession and repentance leads to nothing but forgiveness and love with the person of Jesus Christ. Can you bow your head for me? I know the room's quiet and it feels kind of weird. But here's what I want you to do personally with yourself. you to take a step back if you're willing. And I know there's three groups of people in here tonight. We have a group of people in here who are followers of Jesus and they love Jesus. And today, like me, like every other day, you have to realize that you fell short. This week, you have fallen short. And it's like Paul, you know, you say, the very thing that I don't want to do, I do. And the very thing that I do is the thing that I don't want to do. And yet we wake up and we realize that we're sinful and we're in need of grace. And so the invitation is to confess and to repent today for where we have walked in darkness. And realize that every time that we confess and we repent, we're walking in the light. Second group of people in here are those Say they are followers of Jesus with their mouths, but your heart's far from him. And here's how you can know if your heart is far from the Lord. You have no interest, no desire for him to come and shape the way that you live your life. You want to keep living your life the way you want to live your life. And Jesus can fit into a category of your life, but he cannot captivate all of your life. You would be in the camp that John would say, hey, you honor him with your lips, but your heart is far from him. You walk in the darkness, you lie, you deceive yourself. Hear me, the invitation for you is the same as those who follow Jesus this evening. Confess your sins, bring it to the light, and hear me, the blood of Jesus cleanse you from all unrighteousness and you will find forgiveness that's the invitation of good news 
Both of those groups are in here this morning or this evening. The third group of people in here, you don't follow Jesus at all. You don't honor him with your lips or your heart. You could care less. You're living life the way you want to live life. And you're here just simply because, and the reasons can be numerous. Your parents made you be here. Your friends are here. This is just a way to get out of your house on a Wednesday night. I want you to hear me. I'm glad that you're here. And I want you to hear me. The gospel would say that your life is on a path to destruction. But I have good news for you. The God of the universe before the foundation of the world saw you. And saw that you would need a savior. And he has come and the offer on the table for you is the same as the first two groups. To confess your sins before the Lord and to seek forgiveness. And hear me, you'll find it tonight in the person of Jesus Christ. And so this is what I want you to do. We're going to get quiet in here. Scott, I want you to bring down the lights. I want, to keep, I want you to keep your heads bowed. And I want you to acknowledge where in your life you have desires for the world, for your flesh, for anything else that outweighs your desire for the Lord. I want you to acknowledge it, realize it, see it. It could be an addiction that's going on in your life. It could be your relationships in your life. It could be your, your just pride and ego about yourself how much you think of yourself. Usually one of your indicators as you do this self-evaluation is to go, what do I think of more than I think of God himself? What captivates my heart and my emotions more than God himself? What captivates my affection, my desire more than God himself? What is it? you to acknowledge it. You put it before your mind. Realize. Realize that's what makes you, that's what makes me a sinner this evening. It's what makes us a sinner in need of grace this evening. And instead of letting that little voice in your mind condemn you, instead of letting that little voice in your mind guilt you, Instead of letting that little voice in your mind shame you, <laughs> the invitation is to come meet the love of God this evening. So with all of those things on your mind, with all of those realities set before you, and here's the thing, if you're going to sit here and say, oh, there's nothing, there's nothing that I have, then John would say, you're a liar. Yes, there is, but that's okay. That's okay. Bring it before the Lord. You're going to meet grace. You're going to meet forgiveness. You're going to meet his love and kindness. With all of those things before your mind right now, can we put up this prayer? I want you to say these words. Not as an act of obligation, but as an act of faith. All of these things in our hearts before the Lord 
Let's say this together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. To the glory of his name. Brothers and sisters, as the, as the team leads us back into an act of worship, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to look and to fix your eyes on Jesus. Not your life, not your sin, not your circumstances. Jesus. Jesus. The one who went to Calvary. The one who's come to set you free. And instead of feeling shame, guilt, condemnation, receive his grace. Let's worship. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.